Hey everyone, you're listening to the Connect Church Podcast. We hope this sermon inspires you as well as builds your faith. Enjoy the message. So we're in a series called Made for Hope. We know that. We're all pretty much aware if you're following us on Instagram or anything like that. Um, But it's really been on our hearts, this whole series on hope, because how many of you know that hope's waning in the world? Come on, how many of you are aware that hope is fading in the world? But when I see that the hope is fading in the world, I'm reminded of scriptures where it says that the path of the righteous is like what? The light of dawn and it shines. Come on, guys, it shines brighter and it shines brighter so we don't have to be afraid of there not being hope in the world. Because guess what? If Jesus is living inside of our hearts, if he's living inside of your heart, we don't have to be afraid because hope lives in us. And we don't have to be afraid of not having hope because as long as hope lives inside of us, there is always hope. Amen? Say there's always hope. And things come at us in our lives where we'll we'll start to doubt that there's hope. But there's hope, and we see things like what happened yesterday, heartbreaking, what Jake was praying about in Pittsburgh. Um, as far as I, as I know from reading the news, 11 people died. And there was a shooter that went into a synagogue in Pittsburgh, actually in the same neighborhood as Mr. Rogers, went into Mr. Rogers' neighborhood and shot 11 people. Horrific, horrific. A synagogue, yes, Jewish. Yep, synagogue. I know a girl in Calgary whose daughter, you might have, I reposted this on Facebook, her sweet little name is Luca. She's 16 months old. 16 months old and in the fight for her life, her body is just rejecting everything. They can't figure out what's wrong. At best, they think that she needs a donor for her liver, but she's fighting for her life. I just read again on Facebook today that there's a pastor that we know in Ontario who fell yesterday and his entire left brain hemorrhaged, and his left brain. But guess what? There's hope. There's hope. Yet in all of that, there's hope. And you have your stories, and we have our stories. But as long as Jesus is in our lives, there is hope. Look at your neighbor today and say, there's hope. There's hope. I was reading in the Bible, in my Bible last week, And I was reading in the story of Daniel. You guys know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I was reminded as I read in that story, when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were thrown into that fire, guess what? There was a fourth man in the fire. And in the Bible, if you go to read that, they said that it it was like the Son of God. Guys, I don't know what you're going through today, but we all have our story. And I want to remind you today, there's a fourth man in the fire today. And his name is Jesus Christ. And when you come out of that fire and you come out on the other side of that fire and I'm prophesying over your life today and over your family, you're not going to smell, Amy, like smoke because Jesus is with you. Open your Bibles to Acts 2 2 today. Open your Bibles to Acts 2.25. So I actually, can you just put the slide back there? Who's up on the, Pardon? Jaden, sorry, just so dark up there. It says, Dear Hope, let's be friends. And I was thinking about that this week. Actually, Brianna and I were on a hike, and we are just talking about that. And I said, yeah, I just want to have a slide that says, Dear Hope, let's be friends. 
Because I think if we are to do an honest account of our lives, some of us have befriended things that maybe were not from God. We've invited things into our heart, and maybe they've stayed just a little bit too long. And instead of befriending hope, maybe we've, we've befriended hopelessness. Maybe we need to do an inventory of our heart today and say, hmm, have I befriended the wrong things into my life? But we want to invite hope into our lives today. Four years ago, our family went through it. Um, Josiah really went through the ringer. And um, we were heading out to BC, and he was kept complaining about knee pain for a couple of months now. We're going over this story last night, so forgive me if I get some things wrong, because it's been quite a while now. But for a couple of months, he just kept complaining about his knee hurting, kept complaining about his knee hurting. Well, I'm just the, you'll be fine, Mom. <laughs> I'm just the, you're fine, you know? Kids complain all the time. They're growing, right? They hurt themselves, your knee hurts, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. So we go to BC. Normally, like when we were in Calgary and we would come out to BC, we loved riding on the seawall. Anyone do that? You like riding, it's so fun. If you haven't done it yet, go rent bikes at Spokes and ride on the seawall, it's awesome. But that's something that was a tradition that we like to do. And I realized that when we went to Vancouver that Josiah wasn't going to be able to do it. I'm like a push hard, just grind it, just go for it person, I realized we can't do this. Like, he's not going to be able to do it. Like, he couldn't even go tandem, I don't think. And he just couldn't bend his knee. And we were heading back into Calgary from our little holiday. And Jake and I were talking, and I said, you know what, I think you're going to have to take him to ER. I think you're going to have to take him to ER tomorrow. Fully expecting they weren't going to find anything. And long story short, they took Josiah to ER, and it wasn't his knee. It actually was his hip. And the hip had actually come out of the socket. So for months now, his hip was out of the socket. And school wasn't letting him out of gym, so he'd been running on it and everything like that. Talk about a high pain tone. I felt terrible. Talk, moms, you talk about feeling terrible. I felt terrible. So Jake calls me, tells me what's going on, and you're just like, what? What? So they got him in for surgery right away, right away. And they pinned that hip in. And it, sh it should have just healed on its own. But what happened was about, I don't know how many months later, yeah, two or three months later, started having issues again. Had an x-ray. Guess what? Titanium pin. Okay. It broke. It broke. They had to go back into it. They actually had to dig the pin out because it was in the bone. Dug the pin out. Now, instead of putting one pin in, they put five pins in his poor little hip. And guess what they said? Now, he was 13 at the time? No, it must have been 12. They said that this was normal. This was normal. But in all the surgeries that they did, it had only happened three times in the last 30 years. So as a, you're just like freaking out and just like, what is happening? So they put five pins. You know, you're thinking like his poor little hip, five pins in his poor little hip. So we go a few more months down the road, and then every time that he's getting surgery, he's off, guys. He's off. So I saw my little boy's hope just go from here to here to here, and suddenly it was just like oppression just started sinking in and just depression because he couldn't play basketball and couldn't be with his friends. He was kind of just stuck at home gaming. But then what happened was two of those pins now, I think got too close to the femoral artery, the ball of the joint, thank you. It's a good thing I have Jake here. Got too close to the ball of the joint. They had to take two of the pins out. So by this time, 
they're afraid now that they've damaged the hip so much that it won't repair and it won't get blood flow. Go through all of this. The other hip goes. Gets pins on the other hip. Or got one pin in the other hip. That surgery was actually relatively quick. But they thought because on the other hip that they had done it so many times, they didn't think that there was going to be blood flow to that hip. You need blood flow in your bones, just long story short, for things to mend and for things to heal. There's just been so much trauma. And I remember just coming home after all of this, and there was just one night, and my heart was just like sunk. It was just sunk. And I just got on the piano. Josiah was in the room next to me. We had a spare room downstairs in Calgary. And Josiah's in that room, and he doesn't know I'm crying, but I'm crying. And I'm on the piano, Priscilla. I'm on the piano, probably doing what you would do. And I start playing Leaning, Leaning. What a fellowship. You know that song? What a joy divine. And I just have tears coming down my eyes. And I'm just like leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms because I'm like, okay, if his bones don't heal, he's going to have to have artificial hips. And then they're just going on. You know how it just goes on and on. And I'm like, no, no. And I'm, as a mom, I'm interceding for him because what I am concerned about is that hopelessness is going to get into his heart and he's going to think that God's not real, that God didn't hear him, that God didn't see him, that God didn't care about him. And maybe you're in a place in your life where you feel like God hasn't heard you, God hasn't seen you, God has not known you. But I want to remind you today that God sees you, that God hears you, and that God knows you, and that God created you, and that you were made for hope. And things happen. Jesus said himself, in this world you will have trouble, but, but, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And sometimes we need people to come into our lives and to enter into our story and help us. Sydney, come here. And help us. Psalm 118.7 says that the Lord is for me among those who are around me. That's why we need to come to church. That's why we need to be in small group. That's why we need to hang out and have fellowship and pass the nights on Sunday night. Because Psalm 118 says the Lord is for me among those who are around me. And we need people Amy, come up here. This is my beautiful friend, Amy, from Calgary. We need people to come up and link arms with us and say, I know that you're going through stuff, but I'm praying for you today. And I'm praying that the God of all hope would fill your heart with joy and peace and believing that, Sydney, you would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, that hopelessness is not the end of your story, that Jesus started it, he'll finish it, he's the God of the in-between, and you're going to make it, baby. Come on. There you go. Thank you. So that was me at the piano that day, just leaning, leaning, and I'm leaning on Jesus, and I'm praying that he'll lean on Jesus. And somehow, somehow in all of it, his hips would be restored. Somehow in all of it, hope would rise in his heart. And as I was playing the piano that day, I heard the Lord say, clearly, hope is a healer. And that's the title of the message today, if you're taking notes. And he said, you know, Jen, she calls me Jen. You can call me Jenny, but Jesus calls me Jen. <laughs> he said, hope is a healer. And I thought, huh, never heard anybody say it like that before. High fives. Nice. And he said, you know what I want you to do? He said, I want you to go get a basketball net and buy Josiah a basketball net because he loves to play ball. He loves. He comes alive when he plays ball. And I haven't seen him alive in a long time. 
So we called the families about 500 bucks. So, you know, we just didn't have 500 bucks laying around our bank account. Just start texting the family and just say, hey, can we all pitch in and get Josiah a basketball net? The Lord told me that hope is the healer and that we should get him a basketball net. So I think God knows what he's talking about. So can we all do this? We pitch in. We get him a basketball net. Now, he can't jump and do shots. He can't run around. But he was allowed to stand there and take the shots. And as I saw over the next couple of weeks, Josiah stand there and take the shots. Guess what I saw, guys? Hope just started to rise in his heart. Hope just started to rise. And all of that other stuff just began to go. And then what happened was we had to go get another x-ray. And the doctor said that it was healing, that his hip was healing. They started to see blood flow. He has one more appointment next year to confirm all of it. But the last appointment we had before we moved here was that there was blood flow. In Jesus' name. So the doctor had cleared him to ride his bike. He was so afraid. He's like, no, no, Mom, I don't want to ride my bike. I don't want to ride my bike. I might fall. If I fall, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And I think if he was to be real, I asked him to share this story, but he didn't want to share today. He's in Children's Church. What a good boy. <laughs> Drums and Children's Church today. But um, what was I saying? Yeah, thank you. So he was afraid to ride his bike. I was going to ride my bike. I said, you want to come? And he said, no, I don't, want to, I don't want to come ride my bike. So I go ride my bike around the neighborhood. I hear this, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And before I know it, it's Josiah. He's, and he goes flying past me, flying past me on his bike. And he did it. He rode his bike, and I just had tears down my face. And I was just like, thank you, Jesus. But if you have your Bible here open today, open it up to Acts 2. It'll say it a little differently, but we have a slide. Acts 2.20. So it says here, David said to it all. Now this is a rephrase of Psalm 16, okay? It says David, so this is Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost, okay? So when he said, in the last days I'll pour out my spirit, this is Peter, this is the end of it. So David said it all. I saw the Lord before me all the time. Nothing can shake me. He's right by my side. Next story, or verse. I'm glad from the inside out, ecstatic, I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. Do you see that? I've pitched my tent in the land of hope. And I had to do that that day. I had to pitch my tent as Josiah's mom at that piano and say, enough is enough. Agree with Jake in prayer and say, that is it. We are pitching our tent in the land of hope. And I think some of us have to do that. We just have to say, enough is enough. It doesn't matter what it looks like. We're pitching our tent. Hey, Amanda, and we're parking here. I want to give you some definitions of hope. If you're taking notes, write this down. What is hope? Hope is an expectation in the promise of God, and its strength is in its, faith, is in its faithfulness. You can write that down. Hope is an expectation in the promises of God, and its, expect, or in its strength is in its faithfulness. In the Greek, hope is defined as an expectation of what is sure. In Webster's Dictionary, it says it's a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. In Webster's in the 1828, and I encourage some of you to do this who like to research stuff, go to Webster's 1828. Because when you look back at Webster's 1828, there's all sorts of scriptures actually in there. Webster's 828 says, it's a desire of some good accompanied with a least and slight expectation of obtaining it 
or a belief that it is that it is obtainable. Hope is not a wish, guys. Hope is not a wish. It implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. One last definition of hope, and I really like this. Leo like this. Hope is not a wishful daydream, but a defiant light in the dark, a weighty confidence in our Father King that says, I trust you and I believe in your promise. And I think some of us have to do that today. It doesn't matter. Guys, it doesn't matter, Denise, what it looks like. It doesn't matter if the hips don't look healed today. It doesn't matter. But it's like the song that says, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to rest upon his word." And I think some of us have to learn the art of resting. Did you hear me? Some of us have to learn, all of us probably, the art of resting. Because when we know him, when we know him, we don't have to try, Ransford, we don't have to try to have hope when we know him. Because he is hope. It says that he's the God of all hope. And when we know him, we know his character. We know he's true. We know he's just. And we know he's right. Amen? I want to tell you today that the assignment of hope is to get you into believing the promises of God. It's to get us into believing that we are loved by God, that we're seen by God, that we're heard by God, that we're known by God. And when we are joined to God, guys, we are joined to hope. But when we're not joined to God, when, we, when, we, when we're separated from God, when we're doing things that we shouldn't be doing, you guys know what I'm talking about? When we're living like we shouldn't be doing, when we're not spending time with the Father like we need to do, there's always time to spend time with Jesus. We cannot afford, guys, I don't care. When people keep saying, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. We are not too busy ever for him. But when we spend time with him, we're not going to struggle, struggle so much with stuff because we know him, because we've seen him. There's a lot of things that can cause hopelessness to sink into our lives, and some of them might resonate with you, and I, we're going to actually step into this next week or the week after, so I just want to do a lead-in today. And some things that can start causing hopelessness to sink into our lives is depression, okay, anxiety, alcohol or drug problems, physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress syndrome, Maybe you've dealt with feeling alone or maybe you've been abandoned. We can deal with hopelessness when life just seems out of control, when we don't see our purpose, when we're grieving loss, uh, when we don't think we have what we need, when we feel like we've done something wrong. So if we deal with guilt or shame, we can, we can head into this spiral of hopelessness. When we've been deeply hurt by someone, when we feel defeated. And all of those things in our lives, it's just that hopelessness can start creeping in, which is why I wanted the girls to come up here. Because sometimes we don't see when stuff starts creeping into our lives, right? It's kind of like frog in the water syndrome. Um, Lizzie had messaged me the other day. Is Lizzie in here? Maybe she's in Yeah, there you are. And she's like, oh, I want to hear your testimony. Are you going to share it someday? And I said, we are. But I can say this much today, 
is that Jake and I didn't even realize what was happening in our own lives. So one day, he was there, and I was way over here, and things just slowly start happening. But we need people into our lives and say, are you doing okay? How are you doing? Hey, God gave me this word for you. Hey, can I pray for you? And just like we need to be seen and we need to be known and we need to be heard by a living God, guys, we need community. Come on. We need community because we need to be seen, we need to be known, we need to be heard by each other. Did you hear me? That's why it's important for us to be entrenched, get into a small group, have past tonight, get together. Just randomly grab hands with people over dinner and say, hey, can I pray with you? Because we're called to pour hope into one another. Amen? We are called to pour hope into one another. At the end of your nothingness is Jesus Christ. The one who gave his life for you guys. The one who saw you. The one who knew you. The one who created you. The one who rose from the dead three days later and said death and destruction and abuse and defeat and guilt and shame and fear have no greater name than my name and there shall be no more curse in my name but everything that exalts itself against my name, Jesus, shall be defeated. I wrote that in Starbucks last Sunday night. Just lift your hands to Jesus today. I say, let the God of all hope rise in your lives. I say, let hope, let health, let healing, let wholeness arise in your life, in your family, in your homes, today, in the name of Jesus. Can we get this slide up for Hebrews 6.19, please? Hebrews 6, 19 says, We have this certain hope, like a strong, unbreakable anchor, holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. If we get verse 18, is that 19 there? Hmm. I don't know. We must have a different translation, but that's okay. It says, we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor holding ourselves to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm. An anchor is this, an iron instrument for holding a ship or vessel at rest in water. It is a strong shank with a ring on one end with a cable that may be fastened with two arms and flukes at the other end, forming a suitable angle with the shank to the, to the enter the ground. Guys, when we're anchored in hope, we're not going anywhere. Did you hear me? When we're anchored in hope, we're not going anywhere. And when we're going through stuff, and we're just kind of like going this way, and we're going that way. Who's felt like this? I felt like this. You're going that way. You're going that way. And you just feel like a rag doll. Your hair is just like, you know, you're just a mess. You're on the floor. But it's saying, but we have this hope that is the anchor for our soul. And when we have that iron anchor in the ground, we aren't going anywhere. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not going anywhere. Do you have a picture of the mercy seat? And we don't have a picture of the mercy seat? Okay, how many of you are familiar with the tabernacle? So that's why I wanted this translation up there. It says, our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat. Say, fastened 
Come on, say fastened to the mercy seat. I loved it in this translation. I think it was the passion. I didn't write which translation it was in. But I just had this picture, and I was sharing it with Brianna this week. And I just said, I just got this awesome picture. Okay, so you guys know what the mercy seat is? Mercy seat. It's the two angels, okay? Two angels. And their wings are touching. Imagine this is an angel. This is an angel. We were going to have a slide, but this is better. And they're so much better. But their wings are touching from tip to tip. And you know what I got a picture of? This anchor locking in there on each side. On each, I just can't talk about this without crying. On each side of those angels, and it's just like life and Satan and hell is trying to pull the hope from your soul, but it can't because it's fastened to the mercy seat. And when we are fastened to the mercy seat, we ain't going anywhere. Dana, just met you this morning. When your life is fastened to the mercy seat, when your hope like the song says, my anchor holds within the veil. See, the mercy seat isn't at the front of the tabernacle, guys. You should go research this, okay? It is at the back, okay? It is not in the outer court. Great place to be, okay? It's where they offer the sacrifices and everything. It is all the way back there, and it ain't going anywhere. And I want you to picture that today. Hope is not a wish, when you wish upon a star. No. Hope is powerful. And we can pray all the prayers in the world. See, this is, this is what I wanted to show you about that story with Josiah. We were praying for healing. We had people praying everywhere for his little hips. But what we were missing was hope. We were missing hope because it's just like stuff wasn't sticking in the prayers. But when the hope came, the prayer stone, healing came. Do you see that? Because hope is a healer. And hope is your healer. So where do you get hope from? Practically, and we've talked about it already. Surround yourself in the presence of the Lord, you guys. I have this thing, and my family gets so tired of it. I know Sydney was tired of hearing it this week. Where's the worship music? See, she's already like, <laughs> I like 24-7 worship, playing in our house all the time. Whenever we go to the Lee's house, there's worship music playing all the time, and I love it. And if this is resounding inside of you today, don't just put on any kind of worship music in your house. Get anointed worship music in your house. It changes the atmosphere in your home, and it will change the atmosphere of your heart. Establish and anchor yourself in the Word of God. Young people, if you don't know where to start, version on your phone, the Bible app, has awesome Bible plans. We'll help you. Your small group will help you start with where to read. Connect in a small group. I already talked about that, Psalm 118. Surround yourself with people. But guys, don't just surround yourself with anyone. Surround yourself with people that bring you hope, and with people that give you life. Can we get the slide up for Romans 4.18? Can we have the band come up, please? Romans 4.18 says, And hope against hope. Abraham believed that he would become a father of many nations. 
And as he had been promised by God, so numberless shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he considered his own body now as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old, he considered the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he did not doubt or waver in, un in unbelief concerning the promise, but he grew and empowered by faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. So it says here, but no distrust. Can we stand up, you guys? Let's stand up and read this. Let's read this together. Ready? Let's read it. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but, come on, read it out, he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Do you see that? We grow strong, Lara, as we give glory to God. Thank you so much for joining us today. We want to encourage you to take what you just heard and let it go deeply into your heart to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. We also want to encourage you to be a part of what's going on here at Connect. Head over to connectchurch.ca to find out how.